Work in progress. Week number four. It should be the conclusion, but not the conclusion. So it's the end of our talks about it, but it's, it's not the end of the work that Jesus is doing in us and through us Amen. and by us. So the work of progress series that we've been speaking to, we've looked at the key word being progress, that Jesus is asking us to produce, right? That there should be progress in our lives, that we should not come to Christ, become saved, and then become stagnant in that salvation and just wait it out until it's over. That our salvation is meant to impact our lives so much that we can't help but impact others. That I cannot stand to not tell somebody I know that's struggling or dealing with things about the goodness of God in my life, hoping, hoping that it will rub off on them and become part of their lives. So it's meant to be transactional in that Jesus does pay the price for our sins, but then we work it out, our salvation, as Paul told Timothy, we read about in week one, that we're working out our salvation with fear and trembling before God. How many is afraid of God? <laughs> if you're not, um, I don't know what to say to you. I would be afraid to be in your shoes. But there's all kinds of verses that tells us to fear not as well. So, But it's not telling us not to fear God. It's telling us not to fear the things of this world. And that's what Jesus exemplified in his life on this earth, that he wasn't afraid of death. He wasn't afraid of what man can do to him. He's more afraid to not do what God called him to do. His father sent him here for a reason and for a purpose. And God the Father sent us here as well for a reason and for a purpose. Every person in this room, God helped in creation of you through Adam and Eve and all the descendants for there to be purpose for every individual that has ever existed or ever will exist. And that's, in Jeremiah it says, you know, that I know the plans I have for you. That's the Father speaking through Jeremiah saying, I know the plans I have for you. And I assure you, it's not his will, according to Peter, that any perish, but that all would come to repentance. So it's not God's will for any human to enter hell. That's not the game plan. But he does give us a choice. And he does give us a free will for us to decide what do I want to do. But in 1 Thessalonians 5.23, it says, Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely, and may your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. So we've been talking about these three parts of our makeup that, and we've 
read through it and then started at the bottom and went back up. So we started out talking about the body, the physical body that God has given us. Um, you can pinch yourself to make you're still alive in this place. And then we also talked last week about the soul, that that's the mind, will, and emotions. It's a part of the human existence that we're in. And that's two of the three, but the last was the first one that Paul mentioned in this letter to the church, and he said, your whole spirit and soul and body. So today we're going to end and put the capstone on this series discussing the spirit. The Bible says God is spirit. And in the spiritual realm, it's more real than the real that we experience here of what we know on this temporal place called earth. How many thinks trees outside are real? Right? You can walk up and you can bear hug one if you want to or you can lay a steel 041 into one and chop one down. It's whatever you want to do, right? They're real. It's something that is there. How many believes the air is real? I'd say there's a pretty good chance of that because I'm getting attacked by the ladybug infestation of 20. That's for you, Travis. <laughs> because if you don't believe in air or you don't think it exists, then just stop breathing. So by faith, we breathe that we expect something we cannot see is real. And that's the same way with God. By faith, we believe he's there even though we cannot see him. We cannot tangibly touch him like we can a tree. But yet he's there. And it takes faith to believe and trust he is real. How many believes God is real? Yes. How many has experienced that God is real, that he has touched your life in some way, shape, or form? You can know without a shadow of a doubt, I can testify God is real. And by faith, I believe that. I trust that. Because when we read this book, known as the Bible, it describes God and who he is and what he has done in story form for us to increase our faith. In Romans it says, you know, that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So if you lack faith, if you lack believing, what you need to do is read more of that. Because faith comes when we partake of this good book. There's other good books, a lot of them. And I've got a couple up here that I want to share about today. But <coughs> this good book sparks faith on the inside of us when we read these words and believe them to be true because they are. So if God, through this word in Thessalonians, Paul's writing to that church and telling them, that God himself will sanctify you completely. 
And in that, I don't think that means instantaneously. He sanctifies us completely in that he continues to work throughout our life. We come to him, offer him our life, saying, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a mess, I'm a train wreck, I give you my life. And he takes that mess, and he works on it right then. Sure, we get up feeling like a weight's lifted off our shoulders, amen, that it feels like a whole transition's happened here. But in that, the next day you walk out, and the devil starts kicking you in the teeth, telling you how bad you are, how wrong you are, that, that wasn't real, God don't really love you, your family doesn't really love you. He'll keep beating you down, right? But God says, I ain't giving up that easy. Amen? Amen? He continues to work. He continues to put his hands and mold us as clay. And that doesn't happen instantaneously. That happens periodically throughout your life. There's seasons, ebbs and flows, mountains and valleys, that he continually is working on me and you. Look to your neighbor and say, God's still working on me. He's still working on me, and he's still working on you. Now look at him and say, looks like you need it. <laughs> Anybody sit beside somebody that needs it? little work over? I guess on TLC it used to be called makeover or something like that. Where they Take these people that look like a train wreck and try to make something out of them. <laughs> God knows how, don't he? He uses the least among us to do extraordinary things. But as Paul is telling them that, you know, that God will sanctify you completely, may your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. So as God is working on us, a work in progress, is what we are in continuum until our last breath is taken into our body. And there's so many things that we could have went through, and I've got a million more verses than what I spoke about during this sermon series. And this sermon series has been a little bit different. I usually put my series in notes, and then I, I put like week one, week two, week three, week four. But this time I've just left every word of every every one in, in a, a format, and then I, I work my way down, and it's all in, in a note in continuum because it's just different this time. It's not my normal to do it that way. But as I'm looking down through trying to get to number four, there's a whole lot of things I didn't say, Dusty, because there's a whole lot of work in here. And four little bitty sermons, half-hour sermons, won't cut <laughs> what God's trying to do. I can't touch the surface, scratch the surface of what God intends to do with us and through us and by us. So many verses. But today we're talking about the Spirit. So the picture, the imagery from last week, Les, is it still in there where you got, well, she took off and went bye-bye. Leslie, can you pull up the picture of the circle with the three parts? So the spirit, soul, and body, distinctively different, but yet part of the whole. So you have all three parts in your existence. The second you become alive and are born, 
These three things are there instantaneously. In, 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 a, in, a, in, a, in that moment of birth, the first breath, they pick you up and grab you by the feet and smack you on your bottom and make the snot come out and fly and the scream happens. Right? <laughs> then you hear that for two years. Then they become terrible too and it gets worse. And <laughs> and then they then they become the teeny boppers and yeah preteens even better right and so yeah all these things these transitions happen but we have those three things a spirit soul and body and we live with them sometimes we don't think about them but they're all three present And the natural body, from that initial breath through the growth stages, begins to change. But there comes a point in time where the, that growth stops. So we get Dennis as tall as we are in high school, you know, you're 5'11", and you write down your six foot on your license because you'd rather be six foot. <laughs> and you wear cowboy boots to make sure that you, if somebody tries to call you out on it, you're ready. But throughout life, after that, in adulthood, we begin to shrink, don't we? It goes the other way. So this physical body changes. There's a growth element. There's a maintain element, and then it begins to decrease. And sadly, too many of our spiritual lives replicate that. That when we first get saved, and the first breath of salvation, the first squall, if you want to call it that, it's not flying, tears rolling, joy, unspeakable, full of glory, and we continue that growth and we get in the word and we dig in the word and we pray and we go to everything that's happening to the, to the meetings that's outside of the church services and we become in fellowship with other Christians and just talk about scriptural things and spiritual things. We get to a season and a point in our life where we feel like I've made it, I've arrived, I'm adult now, I've, I've got this thing figured out. And we try to maintain and we try to stay on that status quo of just this normalcy that I'm in, unknowing that there's a decline coming, that's coming. And if we don't watch and remain steadfast, unmovable, unshakable, always abounding in the work of truth, we're going to end up in a pickle. Mary's the only one says amen. How many wants to be in a pickle? come the judgment day when you're standing before God. I don't want to be in a pickle then. I don't like pickles anyway. They're nasty. Mom makes bread and butter, sweet, uh, sour, uh, I don't know how many different deal. Uh, she's got 50 different pickle types in her basement, and I don't like any of them. I, I just seem to have them. It's like rotted food. Who wants rotted food? It's like cabbage or something. Yuck. Yeah. 
something my little nephew's doing yesterday. I'd love that we went up. Mom had Thanksgiving last night, and we how he was standing there and had little Buster with him and started walking around looking at all the pots and Mom was cooking, had all it laid out there and everything. You look at, it, I said, "You want some of this?" Ooh, yuck! <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, yuck! <laughs> he just continued to say "Ooh, yuck" every pot and pan that was there. And I think he ended up eating treats and drinking drinking sippy cup. But our spiritual lives are not meant to ever decline. Now, I'm not saying there's not situations that's going to hit you in the face that it feels like it's a struggle to maintain and stay on even keel with your spiritual life. That's going to happen. But the deal is, are you going to give up? Are you going to let go? Or are you going to continue to trust God? How many has been through some hard times, some situations? Tough times. Some really tough times. And, you know, I, I've been to the hospital. I've seen some of you there. I've seen Lonetta up there when Jacob wrecked, and there's still a card on the thing in here in the office to pray for Jacob. Amy put there, Amy Brown put there a long time ago. Graduated with Lonetta. We go up to the hospital to see him. And they let us come back there where Jacob's at, and he doesn't look too good, Travis. All the tubes, all the ports. Machines breathing for him to keep him alive. Kind of looks hopeless. And I'm telling you right now, that mama didn't have hopelessness. They kept saying, God's got this. She didn't say, I've got this. God's got this. And in that faith and in that believing, her spirit trusted God in a bad situation, a really bad situation that could have went the other way. But she trusted God. <coughs> and now that we've got to know Travis and Lonetta even better, that they've been coming to church and stuff, and if that situation would have went the exact opposite and he wouldn't have made it, I know these couple right here would have still trusted God. Come hell or high water, I'm not giving up. That's called steadfastness. That's something unmovable, unshakable. And as these things happen, what are we going to do? We decide that. We, within our will, our mind and our emotion, decide what we're going to do in that situation. That's our soul that we ended with last week. Our soul determines those things. But ain't you glad that your soul isn't alone? There is a spirit that is within me. Do you understand what I'm saying? There is a spirit within me that helps me in my struggles, that helps my mind, my will, and my emotions 
to overcome things that look insurmountable, that it, it, it cannot be taken because of my spirit within me gives me that confidence, unwavering faith and trust. And we, we act like it's ours and we act like we get it, but it's God that gives it. I'm here to tell you today, God gives it to you. He gives you that faith. Why? Because he knows you need it. He knows we can't live without it. And he puts that faith within us through his spirit as part of our spirit. So if we have three parts, body, soul, and spirit, physical, mind, will, and emotional, and then I've got a spirit. Now, I can't tell you where that's at. I can't tell you what part that comes from. But I do know, according to Scripture, that it's somewhere inside of here. That it's within us. The Spirit. That God give us a Spirit. So as I was thinking about this message and, and, and looking through this and, and just trying to figure this thing out, what kind of Spirit is there? If, if there's Spirit within us, even prior to being saved, somebody has a mind, will, and emotions, they have a physical body, and they also have a spirit according to Scripture. What kind of spirit? That's the question, right? What kind of spirit? It's the kind of spirit where we trust in ourselves, trust in our own abilities. I can handle this. I can do this. And some people are more determined than others. Amen. How many's ever had a kid that was a little bit different than other kids? <laughs> a little more self-willed than others, more determined, less malleable that you couldn't really do anything with them. Mom said it yesterday about me. She said she wanted to preach today so that she could tell the other side of my stories. <laughs> I said, "Have at it. You can get the microphone and go to town if you want to anytime." As my boss always said, you know, take a mighty thin pancake to not have two sides. <laughs> but this will and this faith and this determination that I'm talking about is something that I've, I've witnessed and watched in my mother. And she says it now that it's a never give up. Never throw in the towel. That's the point in life she's in now where she says she's just not going to give up now. <laughs> I've been at this too long. I've fought too many fights to throw in the towel now. And she's just got a, a mentality and an attitude. I'm going to stick with this thing. And that's something God has given her through life. But in this church that we're sitting in today, there was a point in time where that 1997, it's like revival here. I mean, there was teenagers would walk from downtown and come up here and, and worship in this room that we're sitting in. And they'd tear up stuff. Like Shannon's had to fix a lot of stuff in here, right? Ram their way through the walls. Right, Dusty? They, anything's possible when you groups around. <laughs> and they was doing that early on. That, that, that happened. And, you know, Tom and Gartha had a 
a, a really nice car, and they took the kids out of town one time, and one of the kids decided to take the key down the side of it. You want to talk about trying your faith and how much do you believe? <laughs> and if you know Tom Swerge, and he washed and waxed and polished his cars every day of the week. That's just how he was. I mean, really cherished and, and, and really took care of what God gave him. And he, he believed you take care of what God gives you. And I'd say he about lost his faith that day when he when Garthy come pulling in the driveway and key scratches all the way down the car. The trying of our faith works patience. And patience, godliness, and you know, it just goes on and on telling us if you add to these things how that works. Thriving for three years. Nineteen ninety seven, booming. Church house full. The rosters wrote on a post back there on that, in the sound booth. There's a, there's a post there that's got the numbers of attendance that they was writing on there with markers on a board. Not on a piece of paper like we do today, but on the board itself. Told the numbers how many people was here. Mom would drive down to the nursing home, and the people that were transient enough and able to check theirself out could come to church. She'd loaded them in her car, brought them out here, and they'd sit in here. She can tell you their names because she experienced that. And they were grateful to have an opportunity to get out of that building for five minutes. But there came a point in time where there was dissension. And the enemy wants to kill, steal, and destroy anything that flourishes. Anybody with me? When God starts working, that doesn't mean the enemy just sits back and says, oh, no, I better quit now. He goes in overtime. He starts fighting, and he starts getting people in the church to fight against each other, and dissension comes in, and people saying this, and people saying that, and he's getting in camps, and next thing you know, in the year 2000, the church had grew all the way down to two people. And two people still walked in this building on Sundays and Wednesdays, Mom tells a story. I never seen it. I never witnessed it. It was before I actually got saved. And she would walk in one week and she would sing a praise and worship song. And then Joe Sheber would get up here and give the message that week to Mom sitting there. Two people in the building. Then the next week, Joe would get up and sing a song. Then Mom would get up and preach to him. They've done that for a long time. And they barely had enough money to even pay the electric bill here. But they weren't concerned about the present. They were thinking about the future. And they had faith to believe and trust that you're sitting in here today if they just hold on. They could have thrown in the towel and they could have put this place up for sale and just said that wasn't of God. But ain't you thankful today that somebody held on? And I'm not just bragging because she's my mama, but she's my mama. And Dusty tells stories about his mama that way. Trust God. Trust him like you've never trusted before. Increase your faith like you've never increased before. Because the enemy does want nothing more than to take you out. 
He wants your family to struggle. He wants you to suffer. And he wants you to live in eternity in hell without God. Why? Because that's what his destiny is. He is not trying to help you. He's trying to hurt you. But God. So this spirit issue, what, what is there upon birth? What is there upon a human coming into existence? And Earl, is there a difference between Natalie and Landon? <laughs> I'm just asking. I probably know the answer, right? There's a difference. Some of them's even twins, and they're a little bit different, right? <laughs> we, yeah, just to yeah, go get you some uh, olive oil, and then watch Oliver come over. It's two total uh, twins, but a lot of difference. Still a lot alike. Still a lot alike, but a lot of difference. But that spirit is there is our spirit. It's the third part of our triune part of our being. And that spirit is kindly just a big empty hall. It's kind of like this building has air in it. You can't see it. There's something there. But you can't grab it and take it out of here. The void that's there has stuff in it, but it's still a void. Does that make sense? But God created us that way so that he would have a place to live. When he formed man out of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils, and life came. God created Adam, that first man, with a spirit, which was a room that God would live in. And he intentionally done that. But then during the fall, when Adam and Eve decide, I want to partake of that tree and have knowledge of good and evil so that I'm smart like God, that I know it all. I'm going to take his place. That void, that cavern inside of us, that's not a place, a physical, tangible place, but it's a place, was void like it had never been. Because God would come down through the cool of the day, and he would commune with them. He would conversate with them when they was in the Garden of Eden. He would fill up that tank every day when he would come and say, Adam, where are you at? Hey, Eve, come over. And he would commune with them. He would have personal relationship with them daily. But the day after they ate, he comes down, and he starts hollering in the garden, where are you? Where are you? And they was hiding. Right? They said, we can't come out, we're naked. Well, you've been out here every day so far. 
Who told you he's naked? What they say, Mars, there's a void, and it's a part of me that I can't let you see. I now have knowledge of good and evil, and I can't let you see that because God cannot be in the presence of evil. And it took 4,000 years. And verses that were predetermined in Genesis 3.15, I think it is, the precursor where that God prophesies there will be a seed that will come that will bruise your head, O evil one, serpent, the snake. And that prophetic voice that God spoke with was 4,000 years away. And all through existence of that time, those 4,000 years, there was trouble, there was tribulation, there was trials, there was all kinds of things happening. You can read all through this Old Testament in your book. But yet there was humans there that was made up of three parts, body, soul, and spirit. But the deal was, what are they going to do with that void? What, what, what am I going to fill this with? But there were seasons that God would come. One of them was a time where God saw that he was fixing to go and take the land of Israel that they're fighting over today. You know the same land that they're talking on the news about every day? It's the exact same land that God told Caleb and them, go see it. Go out there and look. Spy out the land and come back. And they come back. Two of them give a good word, and ten of them said, ah, their men are as gra where's grasshoppers, and men are giants over there. And they, they brought back grapes that they couldn't even carry one cluster of grapes. They had them on a stick, carry them between their shoulders. The land of plenty. How many like, if you'd been eating the same meal for 40 years straight, come on somebody, the same identical meal, and it was provided by God. There was manna fall from heaven every night, and they'd go out there and get it. And then he gave them a spring out of a rock up on the side of a mountain, and water come out, and they got good fresh water to drink at and some manna. It'd get pretty sickening pretty quick. Forty years. And he tells 12 of them, cross Jordan, go over there, and come back and give us a report. And as they do that, they come back and bring these grapes with them. And they had all these encouraging words two of them did. Two out of 12. Think about this. Two out of 12 of the tribes of Israel had a good report. Kind of sounds like today, don't it? Ask, ask 12 people something, and 10 of them probably going to be negative, and there might be two positive people in the crowd. And they come back, and they, they say, man, we, we can take that land. God is with us. He's told us to go search it out. Why are we going to stand here today and say, I can't, when God says, I can? But you can read about Caleb. He's an awesome person, a man, mighty man of valor. Just the story's in the book. Just go read it. I ain't got time to talk about all that. But it says the spirit was within him. The spirit was within him, inside, internal. He had so much trust and so much faith in God that God, he had given God room that God come inside of him. And this is some theology stuff that some people argue with about that. Well, God didn't, he didn't go into people and he didn't baptize people until after Acts 2. And yeah, mm-hmm. The book says he came in him. I'll trust this. 
of what any man says. Amen? And I'm not arguing theology. I'm just saying that's what the book says. Then there's another mighty man of valor in the Old Testament that in the Judges, Samson. Samson, if you've ever read that story, maybe it's a childhood story that you heard in children's church or something, but this story is Samson, and it says that, you know, he was a kid, and, and his dad and mom made a, and they made a vow that they'd never cut his hair, they'd never do this, they'd never do that, he'd never look at this, never be around a dead person, all these things, his Nazarite vow. And as this happened, it says that he would go down to the Philistines, and it says the Spirit of the Lord would come up on him. One time he went to town, Somebody tried to do something, 30 people died by the hands of one person. Bare-handed, hand-to-hand combat, fist, killed 30 people. Because the Spirit of the Lord came up on him. God ain't looking to kill people. But if they're going to kill you, God's going to take care of business. Come on, somebody. Through Samson, the Spirit of the Lord come upon him. And there's all kinds of verses in, read the book of Judges, all kinds of verses where Samuel, the Spirit of the Lord, came upon him. So it's telling me that the Spirit of the Lord wants to abide in our heart, but also wants to rest upon us. Does that make sense? He wants to be in you and on you. <laughs> and what I think that means is, he wants inside and outside. Amen? Basically meaning you cannot contain him. You cannot declare, Caleb could not declare, I'm the only one that has the Spirit of the Lord in me. Sure, he might be in me today, but amen, I need him to be on me. Does anybody need the Spirit of the Lord to cause you to, to believe and trust and step out in faith in blindness where it doesn't make sense that reality and all the things you've learned and all the education you've got and everything that you know, you've got to lay it down and say, no, I'm going to trust God. No matter what man says, no matter what everybody's telling me, I'm going to trust God. I'm going to lean on Him. I trust in Him. Well, I haven't even read my two verses, and it's 1131. So I'm going to read them real fast just so I can, and then I'm going to tell you about these two books, and then we're done. King David said, Psalm 51.10, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. And the Bible says David was a man after God's own heart. He, 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 he trusted, he he believed God. He went to battles. He, he done what God told him to do. But here he is in a situation where he'd done so many wrong things. Took a man's wife, killed a man. Amen. Babies perished and passed away. And here David's sitting there and he says, These things created me a clean heart, God, and renew a right spirit within me. And I think we need to read that verse because some of us might have a spirit in us. Not saying God isn't there. But we need it renewed, refreshed, a outpouring of God internally in us. Because out of your belly shall flow rivers of living water that Jesus told that woman at the well. Mark 14, 38, watch ye and pray lest you enter into temptation. The spirit is ready, but the flesh 
is weak. Jesus telling his disciples, watch and pray, lest you enter into temptation. The spirit's ready, but the flesh is weak. How many's had an inner spiritual moment, God ticking, knocking on your heart's door and telling you to do something, but this old flesh, this old body, afraid of what men do, will do to me, holds back and says, well, somebody else can handle that. God wants us to trust him even when it doesn't make sense. Does anybody in here make sense out of things? I think we're all guilty of that. This book, John Burke, I, I talked about last week, No Perfect People Allowed. Talked about church. I, I want the bridge to continue to be a place that everybody is welcome to come and sit Amen. and partake with us. Amen? Whether they're, wherever they're at on their faith journey, whether they've come to Christ yet, I just call them pre-Christian. <laughs> Amen? They're not unsaved, they're just pre-Christian. Amen? They ain't there yet. That's okay. You're welcome to come here. Amen? People struggling. Body, soul, and spirit is welcome to come here and not be perfect. And any of us that think we're perfect, we better pray like David prayed and say, prayed and say God, renew my spirit because I'm becoming the old me where I think I can handle things on my own. No perfect people allowed. I, I encourage you to get this book. Anybody that wants to read it, you, you're welcome to read this one. It's in our library up here. Books are sitting on this shelf up here that me and Leslie's collected books for years through our ministry, and you're welcome to read them. Bring them back so somebody else can read them. But if anybody wants to read this, it's up here. You can take this one. If you want to get your own, you can get your own. The only other book I've got this book Leslie brought home, and I think I've got another one at home anyway that I bought, but Lewis County Historical Society, Lewis County Cemeteries, book number five. So the Historical Society went all through the county, and I think Tom Lyles helped with a lot of this stuff back way back. And every person in every graveyard is listed, and th this is from back in the 80s and stuff, so... Some of them that you can't read today, they read then. These books are available at the Lewis County Historical Society, and they sell them to make money so that they can do historical stuff. Basically just covers the cost of it, really. But There's people in this book. That their names meant something when they was alive. And their names meant something to their families that were alive when they were alive. But about two generations later, most people don't know the names of their great-grandparents. It's like 80-some percent of people don't know the names of their great-grandparents. How sad is that? When they're gone, they're gone. Caden remembers your mom, Tavis. Always will. He'll probably tell stories to his kids about how good she was. But memories fade. 
And it's so sad. Of the things we pay attention to when we're here on this earth and what we think is important. When a hundred years from now, people won't even know it. The spirit and the soul are eternal. This body is temporal. But just because this body is put in the ground, is anybody in this room with me? Doesn't mean that the spirit and the soul is not around. God created them for a purpose. And they may be forgotten on this planet in a few generations, but he never forgets them. And our name may be written in a book like this someday, but there's other books, Dusty, in the Bible that says that there's going to be a book that God opens up. He's going to try to find your name in it. It's called the Book of Life. If you want your name written in any book, you're going to be written in this one either way. But the book of life is one you have to decide. What am I going to do? And how am I going to live? And am I going to allow God to work on me or not? It's a progress. And he wants to work on all of us. It's a decision we have to make. It's simple. It's black and white. It's heaven or hell. It's that simple. And I'm not trying to cause fear. I'm, not, I'm trying to preach faith. Believe. Trust God. I promise you. I can testify to you that life is better with Jesus in it. I've tried it both ways, and there's nothing better than knowing heaven's going to be my home. So if you're in this place today, maybe you've never trusted him, you've never given him your life, you've never fully handed it all over. Maybe you have, and you've taken it back and said, no, God, I'll take back that spot. I want the spirit for myself. And you need renewed. God's still in the saving business. And he's still in the renewing business. Because he still wants to work on you. And he still wants to work with you. And he still wants to work through you. To do good. On this planet called earth. Won't you bow your head and close your eyes. Father, I pray that that these messages that you have given us here at the bridge would cause transformational change for us, in us, and through us. In that we would trust you and believe like never before. Because God, I know in this room that there's people facing some situations right now that seems like there's no hope. But God, you are the God of hope. And I trust you today in this place to work on us in this room. Nobody looking around. Everybody's head bowed, eyes closed. Anybody here today that wants to say, Jesus, I have never given you my life. And right now, in this message, in this place, in this place today, I'm sitting here and I've got an understanding. I need to give you my life because I've made a mess of it. And I need your help that you would work on me. Is there anybody here that raise your hand and say, that's me. Never given him my life. But today's the day I'm going to accept him as my Lord and Savior. And I give him my life. 
Anybody here? Anybody here that's given him your life before? And you're sitting here today and you're hearing these words and you know that within your spirit that God is checking you today in this place and saying, renew, asks me to renew my spirit within you and I'm getting ready to do some exceedingly, abundantly, more than you even ask or think. Trust me today. Let me renew your spirit. Amen. Just lift your hands. Anybody in here needs a renewal, a refreshing. Amen. 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 Lots of hands in the room. That's awesome. God's in the renewing business. God, I thank you today that you're going to move mountains, that you're going to make the crooked places straight, God, that you're going to work on the people of the bridge here today. For those that will listen this week, for those that's watched online today, God, I pray that you would just renew their strength, renew their spirit, equip them to do the work of the ministry. Because, God, you're asking us, body, soul, and spirit, to give it all to you, to trust you with every part of our being. You created us with a room where you could come and abide. Jesus, you said if you'd stand at the door and knock, and we must open up and allow you to come in. God, I pray right now that people in this room begins to fling wide, to open the doors to their spirit, man, and say, come on in. Do new things through me. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Father, I thank you for the work you're doing and the work that is in progress at the bridge. Help us to overcome. Help us to stand firm on the foundations of our faith. Help us to trust as a collective group and believe like never before. God, for the things that seem impossible to man, give us a mind, give us a heart, give us the bodies to do what you've called us to do. God, we trust you. God, we believe in you. We give it all to you. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen.